Sixty years ago, Earth was attacked. Nothing human remains. Whatever you find down there, please don't bring it home. everyone, this is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Is there another one? <laughs> I don't know. Today is April 21st. It is 2013 still, yes. <laughs> I have to really look at the calendar today. I've lost complete track of time last week or two. And today is podcast 433 for Treks in Sci-Fi. How's everyone? How's everyone doing? I'm good. Thanks for asking. I'm sure you're all asking out there, right? So today on the podcast, we're going to look at a TOS episode, my favorite series, of course, of Trek. And I enjoy the other ones as well. But, you know, TOS, that's where I started with uh, my love for Star Trek. And today we're going to look at a season three episode called Plato's Stepchildren. Yes, this is the one with the famous Kirk and Uhura kiss way back uh, before, uh, you know, Spock and Uhura became an item in the J.J. Abrams movies, right? Uh, and uh, this this has got a lot of good good stuff in it. It's it's kind of goofy in a way in some places, and and and, and it certainly has been an, an episode of Trek that's been sort of parodied and, and talked about for many years. But and it's also uh, I, as always when I when I go back and look at a classic episode like this, it's also another episode I really had thought that I had covered at some point in time, but I guess I hadn't. So uh, so that's going to be the main topic. I've got some clips, so we're not going to do a full or. Uh, where I commentary on the episode. Uh, I uh, TOS, I tend to grab clips probably more than I do the commentary thing uh, for a few reasons. They're, they, they're actually longer episodes by a good seven or eight minutes uh, than, than like TNG and other Trek series. So to do a full commentary takes longer. And I know TOS probably best of all, so I feel I can grab appropriate clips and, and, and do a pretty cover it pretty well without just going through the whole episode. Uh, so that's going to be the main topic. We're going to talk about, of course, the uh, this movie that's coming out in about a month, a little less than a month now, called, I think it's called Star Trek Into Darkness. What's that all about? But we're going to talk about that. And, and actually, I'm going to play the, the latest trailer for that here in a moment as our uh, sort of intro to today's uh, podcast instead of just doing a, a normal intro. I figured I'll play the new trailer, and if you've not seen this, you should. They're they're calling it the last uh, official theatrical trailer for Star Trek Into Darkness. I think they're calling it trailer number three. There have been other previews, some of those shorter teaser spots they don't consider full trailer, so that's kind of how they do that and the numbering and whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it looks fantastic. I actually saw it on the big screen yesterday, this trailer, because I went to see Oblivion, which is the clip that I played at the very beginning of today's podcast, that new Tom Cruise sci-fi film that came out just on Friday. Uh, I went to see that, and I'll talk a little bit about that uh, on today's podcast, along with some other personal news of mine, some pretty 
pretty exciting and pretty big news, uh, something that's going on in my life. Uh, people who are on the forum are, uh, know about this and have actually known about it for a little while, but I'll be talking about that just briefly uh, on today's podcast. But here we go with Star Trek Into Darkness, official trailer number three for the uh, May 17th, at least in the U.S. premiere, coming up for Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, it's coming, uh, I think, about a week earlier than that in the U.K. and, and other places. So here we go with Star Trek Into Darkness. think you can't make mistakes but the choices you make could get yourself and everyone under your command killed but I believe in you Jim darkness is coming this could just be the beginning Getting at what? All-out war. I request permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? Let's go get this son of a bitch. You are a poem, Kirk. Sir, there's a ship heading right for us. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. Shall we begin? I'm sorry. We're outnumbered. Outgunned. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do. She's gone. No, she's not. No ship should go down without her, Captain. I believe in you, Jim. Well, again, welcome to the show and the podcast for this week, the show, the podcast, the podcast, the show. <laughs> I am Rico, your host. Uh, thanks, everyone, again, for uh, tuning in and listening to another edition of Treks and Sci-Fi, kind of a, getting back to a classic uh, version of the show this week. It's been a while. It's been about a month, actually, for me. That you know, I, I did a show a couple of weeks ago that was an interview show with, uh, with that author, uh, Nicholas Effett. F. Tamatis. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. I, Oh, my goodness. But that was a great time, and I had a good time with that. And last week, you had a Robotech show with with Chris and newcomer Chuck, and those guys did great. I uh, really, really enjoyed that show. I'm not a uh, someone who's really up on Robotech. I've caught a couple of episodes here and there, uh, and I, I am a fan of anime, and I've watched a fair amount, mostly in the fantasy uh, realm than, than the sort of sci-fi or robo- type uh, anime stuff, but I'm going to definitely check out more now that uh, after those guys got me all geeked up to 
to check out Robotech. So thanks for you guys for doing that. But yeah, today we're going to just look at a classic TOS episode, talk about this new trailer that I just played for uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. How do you guys like that? I, I'm, I'm so just kind of overwhelmingly excited to see this movie. It, it's been so long in coming, you know, four years now have gone by. And we're finally getting another Star Trek movie. And there, there's a couple things that I that I notice when I'm watching these trailers and kind of getting into uh, this universe that JJ set up a few, you know, four years ago and the writers set up, is that it really doesn't look like that much time has gone by, four whole years. I know that I've read different things and they're probably only going to make it in the movie less than that time, maybe two Maybe only a couple of years in in their time frame has gone by where Kirk has been in command, and the you know the storyline as far as or the, the you know this is kind of a Kirk captain's journey I think going on here, and that I've read he you know he kind of got obviously command of the Enterprise pretty quickly in, in in the first film, and and this is supposedly the the time and the movie and the events that happen here are going to be the way for him to sort of prove the fact that he should be the one commanding the enterprise he's earned it and and he has the chops to do that so i i think this is a it's going to be a really interesting movie kind of dark in in some ways obviously that the whole title into darkness and, and this this villain in the in the controversy slash speculation about who this guy really is uh played by benedict cumberbatch who the name that's been around for a while now, this John Harrison character, is he sort of a eugenically created uh, human? Is is he sort of a con or going to become sort of like Khan was or, or what? I, I think, again, it's 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 so, to me, becoming obvious and clear that this guy is, is above and beyond the normal human. You know, he's, you know, I'm better at you at everything and all that. I mean, what, what more can you really believe from that? Unless he's just got a supersized ego, I don't know. Uh, but that new trailer, there's some new things in there. The obvious one, that a couple big things that that are revealed there is, is this ship that comes in to, to engage the Enterprise that Harrison seems to have control and command of, is a monster. They're calling it, you know, the words dreadnought is is being thrown around, and uh, and and what it really is, it looks very Starfleet. It looks like it. It looks like it's basically just a supersized Enterprise, really. Uh, hey, go into a McDonald's, supersize me, please. So I don't know if there's going to be any McDonald's or Burger King Trek tie-ins like there was, I think, with Burger King for the last movie. But I wouldn't be surprised. These guys certainly know how to market these movies and get uh, get a lot of uh, publicity. And and just uh, I even saw an ad when, when I was at the movie yesterday for insurance that they had this little commercial with Star Trek with some people up on the bridge of J.J.'s Enterprise talking about, you know, hey, how come everything always, you know, interesting happens to the Enterprise and then this ship crashes into them and it's a it's an ad for insurance using the Star Trek Into Darkness and the Enterprise uh, also. So you can probably find that commercial on YouTube. There's also some tie-in to Mazda and they, uh, so they're, you know, I, I don't really mind that stuff. If it's something, a way for them to make money, in order to make more of these movies, I'm all for it. Hey, do whatever you need to do. Star Trek and the movies, you can't really product place too much in those films. So the other way to do it is you connect it up with with other things, uh, uh, you know, current things, and you make commercials and stuff like that. So that's besides the point right now. 
this this is just going to be a great movie. I'm very very excited. I I hope that I don't learn the whole storyline before I go see it. I'm trying hard not to, except for trailers. It's going to be tricky though, and I've said this I think before that since this movie is going to be out a good week or so uh, in in certain other countries uh, officially, it's going to be very hard to avoid what what's going on and especially this whole thing with with Benedict Cumberbatch's character and his identity and what what that's all about. Um, and if there's any really huge surprises or anything dramatic or, or big that happens in the movie, you know, those kinds of things, if someone dies, if the Enterprise really does get, you know, where it looks like it's getting pretty pretty banged up in these trailers, it, does it really get destroyed? I, I still firmly maintain the Enterprise uh, as, as it is. It, it will survive uh, in some form in this movie. I don't think it's going to get destroyed. The, the It's been very much an, analyzed that the ship that you see crashing into the into the bay, into the water there, uh, in the trailers, that's not the Enterprise. Uh, so there, there's there's definitely there's some misdirection going on in these trailers where they're making it. They show the Enterprise sort of being pummeled and, and damaged and falling, and then the next thing you know, it's it's uh, it's crashing into uh, something crashing into water. But yeah, that uh, that isn't uh, the Enterprise. Where we've uh, pretty much figured that one out. So. But yeah, I'm pretty excited, pretty pumped. Uh, and now I'm going to just segue off of Star Trek Into Darkness and talk a little bit about uh, Oblivion that I saw yesterday with my friend Mark. We went out to the theaters to see that. And it's a good movie with Tom Cruise. It is. It was not quite what I expected. I, I, I was... I don't know. I mean, it looked really cool from the trailers. It's this sci-fi movie. It looks like Earth has been pretty much wiped out. And we're getting a really big run on television and at the movies of of storylines that, you know, post-apocalyptic storylines of Earth. I mean, I I know this has always been a a genre of of sci-fi and that that we've had, but... It's all over the place. I mean, you've got TV shows like Revolution. You have another TV show that just started on the Sci-Fi Channel called Defiance, and you have this movie called Bol- uh, uh, Bolivian. <laughs> Bolivian, yeah. It, it, it's the it's the South American version of Oblivion. No, this movie Oblivion. You also have a movie coming with Will Smith this summer, and his his uh, son is in it. Jaden, I think that's his name. Called isn't that called After Earth? I believe. So it. And then, of course, we have World War Z coming, and you have Walking Dead on TV. You know, not really sci-fi, but but where the world has pretty much been wiped out. But there's just a whole lot of that stuff. And I don't know, maybe people think that, you know, the world's on the brink. Uh, and, e- and even something like The Hunger Games, that they've just released the trailer for the next movie, Catching Fire, uh, which I really enjoyed that book a lot. I really enjoy, I thought that the, the the middle the middle Hunger Games book was the best book of all of the of the three in the trilogy, and uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. But you know, there's just a ton of this. So this movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise. There's been something that's happened. You know, Earth. There's been a war, and there, you know, and and Earth is kind of wiped out. And Tom Cruise and and his um, this lady that he works with. What was her name in the movie? Ah, I'm blanking out. Gosh. Uh, it, funny that Tom Cruise's character's name is Jack in this in this film, and his name was he just did that movie over the holidays that was out called Jack Reacher. It, maybe he's got in his contract now that every movie Tom Cruise does from now on he he needs to be named Jack. But uh, yeah, this movie it, it was good. It was Morgan Freeman's in it. I it's it's going to be very hard for me to say that much about this movie without giving away some of the story and the plot. 
But I will say that it's it, it isn't what it appears to be even from the trailers. There's there's more going on and some some kind of surprises and big reveals that that I can't go into. Uh, but I, I I would really recommend going you know to see it at the theater. It's got some great visual effects. He flies around and does these little patrols and stuff on uh, with this neat little flying machine that's kind of like a combination uh, I guess kind of a, a bit of a helicopter a bit of a plane a bit of a glider uh, and and they've really got some uh, some cool stuff going on he he kind of goes out and repairs these drones that kind of keep an eye on on things on earth and that's kind of his job he's he's more or less a technician for that kind of stuff and you get all that and see all that in the previews if you uh, if you watch it but uh, you know Tom Cruise is just again an actor that I, I really enjoy watching on screen I think he's just got a lot of personality and and charm and and does a good job although I think he's a little bit uh, one note I think he's a little bit uh, very much the same in most of the movies he does but I don't mind it I, I think he, they find a character or a part that fits him and or he finds that and or however it works and then they just do it so uh so yeah it's it's a good movie and, and morgan freeman always is great when you see him in, in movies like this he just ends he just adds a lot of sort of credibility and credence and everything to the to the film so it's um there's also a guy that's in this an actor in this uh, what's his name he's got a like three word kind of name he, he's in game of thrones he's jamie lannister in game of thrones the actor nicholas klaus something or the other and something like that i don't know what nationality is it's it, it, but his um he's in this movie he actually looks just like he does in, in game of thrones he's got a beard long hair but uh he doesn't have a huge part in this movie but uh, but he's in it as well so I, I I recommend it. Uh, I think it was it was good. It wasn't a a, a a fantastic or amazing great movie. Some of the things that happen in the movie, I've seen similar things in other uh, other stories and other films. But but it was well done, and I, and I enjoyed going to see it at the movies. And I, I I'd uh, suggest if you like this kind of stuff, go see it yourself. I'm going to take a short break here. I've been babbling on, have a little tea. I'll come back with a few other little thoughts about some stuff and things going on with me lately. And then uh, we'll get into looking at Plato's stepchildren. Hi, Treks and Sci-Fi. Gates McFadden, Dr. Beverly Crusher right here. Asking you to follow me on Twitter at Gates underscore McFadden. And check out my eBay listings, Gates McFadden's Trunk Sale. I am getting rid of all of that licensing stuff that, that I have collected in storage spaces over the years. It's all going for my nonprofit, Ensemble Studio Theater Los Angeles. Check it out. Bye. Okay. Uh, the big thing that I wanted to talk about uh, that's been going on with me for, this has actually been going on for, for many, many months. Uh, I, uh, for a period of time, I'd been looking for, new, for a new job. For those that have been listening to the podcast for a long time, uh, they know that uh, you know about four years ago or so, uh, there was a downturn in automotive, and I, I worked in that sort of area and kind of got laid off and had to look for a new job, ended up having to work out of town in the, in the Rockford, Illinois area for about a year or so, uh, working for a place there uh, called Tester that does uh, hobby and model paint. It was actually, they are also getting into... Uh, they were getting into automotive uh, repair coatings uh, also and putting on a new line. And so I worked there and then I came back and started working for a company called NSF International. I'm actually not even sure I've talked too much about the actual specific names of these places. But yeah, I've been working for about now the last two years for uh, NSF International in their, in their coatings area where I, I basically test... 
any kind of a coating, uh, a paint, a material that's used that comes in contact with, with drinking water. You know, you see pipes that are coated, you see uh, faucets that have a coating on them, big water tanks have coatings on them, all those things that water comes in contact with that people drink, they want to make sure that nothing comes off that coating and ends up something, you know, ends up something bad in, in, in the drinking water system. So that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And it's an okay job, an okay position, but it, it doesn't, um, I'm, it, it's not a very satisfying job for me personally. It, it doesn't use everything that I've learned and know from the years working in coatings. So I started to look uh, probably pretty you know, as best you can when you're working full time. I started to look about a year ago or so maybe uh, for a new position. And I had a few different interviews and a few different places popped up. And last fall, actually, this whole thing started. I had an uh, interview with a company called Axo Nobel, which is actually the uh, it's A-K-Z-O space Nobel, N-O-B-E-L. It's a it's a European uh, coatings. Uh, that's where they're they're their main headquarters is in the Netherlands, I think, right? I'm pretty sure I should find out. <laughs> but the uh, they are the world's actually largest coatings company. They have purchased and, and swallowed up other smaller coatings companies over the years. And they have thousands and thousands of employees worldwide. I've known some people or do know some people that work for that company. I've actually uh, applied a couple other times for them for other positions. And there was a job for what's called a uh, product manager job that came up that I noticed and found and uh, applied for, and then uh, and then maybe months went by I hadn't heard anything. Yeah, and so then uh, out of the blue, kind of a little bit. There were other little details I don't need to get into, but uh, I I got a call. I actually had thought they had filled the position, and then I got a call yeah, in March, early March maybe, uh, that uh, from the main guy that I had spoken to about this position, and he asked if I was still interested in it, and I said, yeah, I'm definitely interested. It, it, it was kind of a job that I thought I would uh, both do well at and also something that uh, I I would enjoy too. You know, it's it's tricky, you know, work is something that I think a lot of people just do it and maybe they're not um, super thrilled with the job and and there's always jobs every job has its ups and downs and things that you like things that you don't like but I was just being I was just feeling very underutilized unsatisfied with what I had been doing currently so I was looking and so I told him yeah I'm definitely interested in this new position and uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, I guess it's only been about two weeks now that I, I had to go out of town to um, one of their locations in Pennsylvania, went for an, uh, another interview there, kind of got uh, a real quick, it ended up being only for about an hour, you know, you fly all the way there, and <laughs> actually I went the day before just to, just to make it a little easier, spent the evening, and then the next day, the next morning, I had an interview for about an hour with about five people, and just kind of hit me with questions, and I, I think I gave him some pretty good answers, and by the time I had left, even I got a text message that uh, that they were very impressed and that an offer was coming, uh, and which I thought, you know, I had asked him. You always ask at the in interviews, well, when will I find out something? And I just, you know, they said, well, probably in the, in the next week. And then by the time I drove back to the airport, I had a text message on my phone that said, uh, you know, positive, everything was great from this guy that I'll be. Uh, 
I guess uh, it will be my new boss because I've accepted this offer now. And uh, but yeah, he sent me a text and said uh, an offer is coming. And by the end of that week, I had an official, uh, you know, written down offer. We negotiated a little bit back and forth, and then I finally accepted. And I, I gave notice to my current place last week during, uh, I guess, about the middle of the week or so. And I have one more week there, and then I'll be gone. So uh, that's that. I have a new job. Uh, it's a it's in the powder coatings area uh, with AXO, and it is a product manager job, and it's going to be a big change. So we'll see how this all goes. <laughs> it's you know people are asking about you know are you excited, and I'm like, well, yeah, I guess the until I get into it, it'll be you know it's hard to. Uh, to talk too much about it. I think it's a job that's going to be, it's going to keep me very, very uh, busy. It's certainly going to be a lot more challenging and, and more busy than I think my current position is. So that's sort of a, both a good and bad thing. But I, I, I like that. I like being kind of in the thick of things. I like being, uh, you know, getting in there, solving problems, helping people. And there's going to be a lot of customer contact. This job's going to involve a lot of travel. I'm actually probably going to be traveling uh, the the rough estimate is maybe about half my time, half you know a couple of weeks a month, be traveling somewhere within the U.S. outside the U.S. and I used to do that quite a bit in in the past. Again, for people who've listened to the show a long time, they're they're aware of that stuff. I think so. Uh, I wanted to share that here because it's probably going to impact and affect the podcast a little bit. And and I also think that um, again for people that have listened to the show, I'm I'm the kind of person that's uh, I, I like sharing. <laughs> uh, so it was funny though during these interviews. Uh, I, 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 when you get you have an interview and it's uh, at a time where you you actually already have uh, a job. You have it. You sort of feel and treat it a little differently. And 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 I've always maintained that even the people doing it and doing the interview pick up on that a little bit. I guess you feel you look a little bit probably less desperate and more relaxed. I don't really mind them uh, mind interviewing. It's it's something I've done a, a fair amount of especially in the last 4 or 5 years. So I I tend to usually come off pretty well. I can form coherent sentences, I think. I, hey, I do a podcast, right? So that certainly actually has helped the ability to, you know, put thoughts into in in, you know, a good way and and try to be able to uh, speak without uh, thinking a lot about it and, and being able to react to people when they have a question or just react to something I want to yeah I see and want to talk about I don't I don't know how to describe it exactly but and I've wasted way probably too much more time on this whole subject although you guys are all probably out there saying no no it's great we like hearing that congrats Rico you know but uh, yeah, so that's the that's the news. the uh, The last thing I'll just say is that uh, I've got one more week of work, and then I'm going to actually have a little bit of downtime. It's looking like at first I thought it was only going to be a week, but maybe a couple of weeks. So uh, it's going to be nice to rest up. I haven't had any real significant time off in a, in a while. Uh, when I switched jobs a couple of years ago, I went right from one job to the other the very next week. That was a little rough, especially with moving back to Michigan at the same time. Uh, from Rockford. So, uh, I mean, it wasn't a big move. Most of the stuff came in a, a couple of carloads. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be nice to have a little downtime in between this this time. So, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope I haven't, uh, I hope I haven't gotten myself into something though that's going to be really uh, 
hard and wear me down. I mean, I think the travel, I do enjoy traveling. I, I just hope it isn't too much. I, I, I think it, uh, at times it might become a little too much. And uh, I will try to keep the podcast as it is as much as I can for a little while. It may eventually change to some degree because of all this with being gone so much. But we will see. I may do a lot more of those old road shows, you know, talking in the car or whatever, like I used to occasionally when I was in Rockford. So we'll see how that all goes. But all right, let us switch now. That's that's my big news. New job. Woo! (laughs) I will switch gears again. And we've uh, almost a half hour into this podcast, but we need to get to... Plato's Stepchildren, Season 3 episode of TOS, and I am going to play for you now the opening, um, not the opening, uh, I think what I will do, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll play the opening, let's just play the opening, get right into the episode uh, for this, this is this first little bit from Plato's Stepchildren, the way the episode starts off, here's the first audio clip for this episode of TOS here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Captain's log, stardate 5784.2. We are responding to desperate distress calls from an unknown planet. My science officer, Mr. Spark, is unable to account for this since he reported no signs of life on the planet. It is rich in chironide deposits, a very rare and long-lasting source of great power. Are you from the spaceship Enterprise? That's right. at your service. I sing, I dance, I play all variety of games, and I'm a good loser, a very good loser. Please uh, try to bear that in mind. But now, would you please accompany me? Who are the inhabitants of this planet? Oh, Platonians. I'm sure you've never heard of us. Our native star is Sandra. Millennia ago, just before it went nova, we managed to escape. Our leader liked Plato's ideas, Plato, Platonius, see? In fact, our present philosopher king, Parmen, sometimes calls us Plato's children, although we sometimes think of ourselves more as Plato's stepchildren. (laughs) Excuse me, uh, someone's waiting for you. (laughs) Welcome to our Republic. Who among you is the physician? I am. What's the problem? My spouse, his leg, come this way. to that leg. I suppose I scratched it. I don't understand. This should have been attended to immediately. Sheer ignorance. Is there anything you can do? Oh, we're certainly going to try. The infection is massive. Let me give you a hypo to ease the pain. Where? In the arm. Yeah, there. There's the opening bit to uh, Plato's Stepchildren, a third season episode, uh, episode, I think, 12 of season three for TOS. It uh, first aired on November 22nd, uh, back in 1968. The remastered version actually aired on June 16th for the first time, 2007. That would be the you know one you can see now on Blu-ray. It is written by Meyer Dolinsky. It was directed by David Alexander. And this this third season episode of, of TOS is, is notable for 
like I mentioned earlier on, the big thing it was notable for is this kiss between uh, the uh, African-American Uhura character, Nichelle Nichols, and William Shatner, Captain Kirk. I'll talk more about that later as we go through it when we get to that point in the episode. But that was that's probably the biggest thing this episode is remembered for, besides some of uh, the singing by Mr. Spock and uh, and a few other things. the The episode itself basically tells the story of this this uh, alien race um, of uh, eugenically created uh, people, uh, led by Parman, played by Liam Sullivan, and Philana. Uh, that's played by Barbara Babcock. And Barbara Babcock, people who back in who know the show from the 80s called Hill Street Blues will know her from that series. Uh, also, the, the, the big, to me, notable guest star in this episode is Michael Dunn, uh, who plays Alexander. Michael Dunn, of course, played uh, Miguelito Loveless on the, on the fantastic Western sort of slash sci-fi series, The Wild Wild West, back in the 60s. Michael Dunn, uh, a great, great actor and, uh, you know, a short of stature. I don't know, maybe he's about three feet or so tall. But Alexander, I love Alexander's character in this episode. Uh, I love what Michael Dunn, how he plays him. And, and I love some of the conversations that he has with, with Kirk in this episode. It's one of the, to me, the the, the highlights of, of this episode is just Michael Dunn is just great. He does a fantastic job uh, playing his part of Alexander. So they, they come down to this planet. They get this sort of uh, call that this guy, Parman, is, is, is injured. He's hurt. McCoy comes uh, with them and to try to help this guy out. And uh, then they discover pretty quickly that, that they're sort of going to be they're trapped there. They, uh, these Plutonians, they have developed this psychokinetic ability that allows them to pretty much control uh, people, control inanimate objects. They can move things and, and control things with their mind they they can they can't change your mind they can't like it's not a a a way to alter what you think it's just physically uh, some kind of a force that allows them to make people and objects do what they want them to do just telekinesis in essence but but they use it to push sort of alexander around in this episode a lot he's like the only one of their small group on this planet that doesn't have this ability and when uh, Kirk, uh, Spock, and McCoy come down there, they uh, they are also they fall into this uh, same thing that Alexander has, where they don't have this ability. And Parman, sort of, uh, just even though he is saved by McCoy, he he traps them there. He traps those those three there, and he also traps the Enterprise. He has enough power to to also keep the Enterprise from helping them or from going and getting help or doing anything. So. So yeah, they're in a bad spot, and it's. I just have always enjoyed this episode quite a bit for for a variety of reasons. There's some again goofy moments in it. Uh, a lot of the actors have to, especially Spock and Kirk, have to mimic like someone is controlling them. You know, Kirk has to sort of slap himself. They dance around. They sing. They they have to really use a lot of their body and their physical uh, abilities to to convey that they're being controlled and manipulated uh, and not uh, of their own volition you know they're they're being pushed around and moved around and they do a good job i mean i, I really think this is something that william shatner he's he's a very physical actor especially back in these days and and he he really does a good job of of making it appear he's being controlled and i think leonard nimoy does too and and deforest kelly they they all do a good job 
and Michael Dunn, of course, has to do that as well. So the, the, it, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. It can look funny and it can look come off maybe not as, as, as real, you know, in, a, in an unreal setting, but they do, they really do a good job with that. And, and I have to hand it to the actors for, for being able to do what they do and, and doing it uh, very straight up. And, and then there's a lot of this Greek overtones in this, uh, in this episode. And it's never really brought up or explained uh, that I can recall. And even as I went through the episode gathering clips, and I've seen this episode, you know, a gajillion times, uh, that's just a couple more than a billion times, but it's 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 never very much explained why they. I think they say something like Parman was was a fan of the Greeks or something on Earth, but it's like how, how does he know about that? I mean, where do when they, when they find these? They're not this like you know lost colony of humans out here. They're supposed to be aliens. They're supposed to be from another place and another star from thousands of years ago. And uh, it's never very much explained why they, they've adopted, you know, except the fact that Parman is a fan and likes Plato's thinking and philosophies and writings or whatever. But where, where did uh, where did the uh, oh, oh well, maybe I'm reading something here now on the on the memory alpha. It says uh, Plato's stepchildren, they had escaped to Earth in the time of the ancient Greek philosopher Plato when their star Sahandra went supernova. Is that what he really says? And Plato's death, they established a republic. Uh, so they were at Earth. I think I've got a clip for that. I'm going to play the next clip anyway and see. But maybe I, I'm completely blind and, and missing something uh, about this episode, even though I've seen it a lot of times. But I don't remember the word Earth brought up. So, all right, well, here's the next clip. This psychokinetic power of yours, how long have you had it? Two and a half. Ever since our arrival here on Platonius. How is the power transmitted? Brain waves. Do these waves cease while you are asleep? No, not if they're embedded in the unconscious. Well, what about medicine? Why no doctors? We haven't had any pressing need for the medical arts. You see, while still on Sandara, we instituted a mass eugenics program. We're the result. Paired down to a population of 38, we're perfect for our utopia. We're bred for contemplation and self-reliance. And longevity. How old would you say I am? Oh, don't be afraid. I'm not vain. Thirty-five. That old? I stopped aging at thirty. Well, anyway, you're off by two thousand years. I'm two thousand three hundred years old. We were married very young. I was only 117, and he was 128. <laughs> So, you see, we scarcely have to move anymore, let alone work. That's why you have no resistance. That's right. A break in the skin or a cut can be fatal. <laughs> yeah, that, that clip doesn't really talk about what I was talking about earlier, about the, the fact that they are um, this Plato influence on them. And I went back and, and, and listened to a little bit more of the early part of the episode where uh, Alexander is explaining their, their people and he doesn't that I remember hearing or, or could find in there. He doesn't actually mention that. But on the Memory Alpha uh, blurb on this episode, they say in the blurb there for Act 1, they say that they had uh, actually gone to Earth first before they went to this planet that they're on now. So meh. Hey, whether it's mentioned anywhere in the episode itself, I, I, I can't seem to locate that. So we'll just go with that's That makes sense. So that's why they've... Uh, 
adopted some of these the look of you know the clothing and the setting and and the you know the columns that are in this episode and, and of of the Greeks the ancient Greeks because of the influence that that had over them when they went to Earth for that period of time for a little bit there and then left I guess so not a big importance really but uh, and, and and I think it fits because there's this there's this impression and feeling that the you know some of the Greek philosophers in that era you know you had the the what I would call like the 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 people that could sit around and and think deep thoughts and then other people that that tilled the fields and and gathered fruits and things and there's there's also um to me that this episode has similarities to the episode uh with apollo you know and and that whole thing about you know that you should worship him he's a god he has all these powers and abilities so there's a lot of similar things to that episode uh as as well that that end up in this episode but Parman uh, here, you know, McCoy saves him, uh, but then they're trapped on the planet and and they can't escape. And and then they quickly quickly really learn that uh, about what these these people can do and their powers and abilities that they've got. And it's uh, it's making it uh, <laughs> making it hard to leave. They're fighting it, and uh, I, I like the fact that Alexander is is impressed that that they they're fighting back you know alexander is the only one that's he's been kind of the little lackey for for all of these people there for this group of 38 uh, genetically engineered uh, you know beings and he you know alexander can't uh, you know he can't use the power he's not able to and uh, it's um an interesting situation and, and I, I, again i like the the relationship between alexander and kirk in this episode and uh I think uh, we'll go on to another clip at this point. I, I have this clip labeled Powers. This is about, I think, when they learn about their powers and abilities a little bit more. How does one obtain the power? As far as I know, it just comes to you uh, sometime after you're born. They say I'm a throwback, and I am, and so are you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Don't worry about it. We're happy with that. You know, I believe you are. Listen, where you come from, are there a lot of people without the power and my size? Alexander, where I come from, size, shape, or color makes no difference. And nobody has the power. Nobody. Uh, somebody wants me. Captain? It will be very gratifying to leave here. That might not be easy should Parman die. Even if he shouldn't. Yes. This utopia of theirs is one of the best kept secrets in the galaxy. Screening themselves from our sensors, locking us into orbit. All this adds up to a pattern. Yeah, so right after, I think, just after this, they, they discover that they can't leave and, and they get trapped on the planet, and, and Parman's not going to let them leave. He's worried, you know, they need a physician around. They want to keep McCoy. They, you know, there's a point where they're okay with McCoy just staying, but Kirk and Spock won't leave without him. You know, they said, you guys can go, but we're keeping McCoy, and, of course, that doesn't go over very well. And they won't do that, and they... You know that that's obvious, and again, I enjoy the the other parts in that clip with uh, you know Kirk and uh, Alexander talking, and it, it's again, it's a good good part of the episode, and and, it, and just shows 
the sort of benevolent nature of, of the Federation and, and of how that it doesn't matter what size you are or color or, or species or, or whatever that you're, you're treated equally. And I, and I really like that message. You know, it's one of the, the founding tenets of Star Trek in general is just equality for everything and everyone. And uh, this is this is a good example of that. It, you know, in the original series, it was brought out many, many times, and I, I enjoy it quite a bit here. And there's the um, the other thing that this this episode brings out, I think, is is power corrupting. You know, I've I think that that's something that's always an interesting theme. I believe that uh, you know people who get more power sometimes it can kind of go to your head. And here you have Parman and his group that they just they push around poor Alexander. They don't really do anything for themselves. They've become so weak and docile uh, as far as laying around and just kind of, they, you know, it, it's, it's become that they've um, to the point where they don't have any resistance to injuries and diseases. That part I, I have a little, eh, it doesn't quite sit perfectly with me. If they're genetically engineered to begin with, I have a hard time understanding how that the genetics is is so easily changed or pushed aside by the fact that you're just you're just kind of lazy and you're not doing anything for yourself. You're using your mind. I, I don't really genetics is a pretty powerful part of what makes uh, you know a being a you know how they are affected by things. Right? Just your your natural abilities and your immunities and your resistance to things isn't just. Oh, I'm going to go out and play in the dirt today and dig some crops up or whatever. I, I don't. I mean, maybe there's a little influence. It may be over thousands of years. I guess it could change the genetic makeup to a degree, but uh, it, you just start to have to kind of swallow that that one a little bit, and it gets him there. It really, it, again, isn't a huge thing. You could have just made it like he got hurt badly, whether there, it was a resistance to you know infection and disease. The fact that they don't have any doctors there, that kind of, I think, makes sense. So it's a, it's a tricky point, but not a, not a really big one. I mean, you got to have some way for the Enterprise and, and, the, and the crew to, to make contact with these people. So, so it's, it works. It works pretty much. Uh, I think probably we can go on to another clip here. This is uh, a little bit further in the episode now. At this point, the, uh, the, the crew that's down there, at least Kirk Spock, and McCoy, you know, they're being pushed around. McCoy is just sort of pulled off to the side and usually up by Parman. But to to exert his power and influence and show McCoy or trying to get McCoy to to basically knuckle under, even though Kirk has, has ordered McCoy to, to not to not cooperate. Because they really need McCoy to cooperate voluntarily. They can move people around, but he's a doctor. And using his knowledge and his skills and his abilities, you can't, uh, unless you're a doctor too, you can't like have a doctor fix something that you've, you've injured yourself. Let's say they, he had to sew up something or, or operate even or, or do whatever. They, they can't go into Dr. McCoy's mind. So they need him basically to be a willing uh, doctor and a willing participant and helpful for them. So Parman is pushing around and, and making uh, Kirk and Spock perform and do all these crazy things to make McCoy just be cooperative. And, and Kirk has told McCoy, don't, no matter what he makes us do, don't cooperate with him. He's ordered him, and, and 
so this next scene that you're going to listen to this clip uh, is some of that going on with the the Tweedledum and Tweedledee thing with Spock and Kirk. Yeah, so they're they're messing with Kirk and Spock and, and trying to make McCoy cooperate, and it's not working too well. Again, I think they do a great job. I mean, this could get... Some people might kind of laugh at some of the stuff in this episode in the scenes and, and feel it's kind of campy and, and, and funny and fake, but but I think they, 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 they do it just right as, as best they could with, with what they've got. Uh, the uh, it, it, It's a tricky, again, situation to, to make it look like someone's influencing you and making you do things that you don't want them or you don't want to do so it's a hard thing uh it and they pull it off i think quite a bit and and spock leonard nimoy i think does a fantastic job in, in this episode and so does william shatner spock ha- they they make him feel different emotions and and he's you can see the the rage kind of simmering underneath the surface you know spock is being made to to laugh to cry to do things he, he'd never normally do and for him, for a human being, it's it's degrading and humiliating and, and 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 just hard to deal with. But our minds, you know, we Spock because he suppresses a lot of these things to have that sort of driven out onto the surface is is extremely extremely embarrassing and humiliating and just it's the core of his being and his essence and 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 it's just. You can see that uh, I think it might have been really interesting at one point in this episode. Now that I'm thinking about it, if if Spock just just had had been driven to the point where once he got the power, you know, like uh, you'll I think in this next clip I'm going to play with Alexander that Spock almost wants to kill Parman. Like he gets the power and just kind of like does a little Darth Vader choke on Parman, and, and Kirk has to talk him down or something like that because Spock is just sort of 
you know, he's been driven to that point where his emotions, the whole point with Vulcans, you know, the, the history there has always been that they are super emotional and were in the past just hugely emotional beings and that their only way to control their this huge emotional range that they had was to suppress it and, and to keep it under control, lock and key kind of. And that so they're almost more volatile than, than humans would be. And the fact that he gets pushed to this edge could just make him kind of snap. It might have been an interesting moment, but it, it's still, you know, Spock keeps it keeps it under control. And it's still, it, I think it works as a, anyway without that. But I, it might have been interesting to have that happen where, Kurt, or you know, Spock is driven almost to the point to kill to kill or something with, uh, with the fact that he has been so, so degraded and humiliated by Parman and everything. All right, the next clip here, I think this is the, another little bit, a good scene with Alexander and Kirk and Alexander talking to them and, and wanting to, uh, to kill Parman and, and, and stop him. By agreeing to stay and you sign our death warrant. He's right. I should have warned you. They were treating you the same way they treat me, just like me, only you fight them. the time i thought it was me my mind that couldn't even move a pebble they even told me i was lucky they bothered to keep me around at all and i believed them the arms and legs of everybody's whim look down don't meet their eyes smile smile these great people they were gods to me but you showed me what they really are and now i I know, don't you see? It's it's not me. It's not my size. It's them. It's them. Them. Put it down. No, this is the best thing Put for it. Down. No. Do what I say. I'm gonna I'm gonna Alexander. cut them. I'm gonna cut them. Parman first, and they'll all get infected. But this time, listen, whatever they say, don't. Don't save them. Let them die. Give it to At me. At least let me give them a taste of what they gave me. Please, they're going to kill you anyway. You know that. In that case, what's the point in you dying too, Alexander? Give it. That's the first time anybody ever thought of my life before his own. I should have told you when you first came here that they were going to kill you because I knew that when I was afraid. I was afraid. Yeah, classic, uh, you know, discussion, you know, Kirk talking to Alexander and say, you know, you can't, you can't kill him. You can't, you can't do that. You can't become like he, he is. And it just, it's very uh, real. And, and, and the fact that, uh, that Kirk is, is is stopping him, and and he's concerned for Alexander, and this idea that Alexander is so surprised by anyone else being concerned or thinking of him, and it, it's a very you know kind of touching scene in a way, and there there's a, quite a few of those in this episode that I enjoy, and I, I like again the relationship between Alexander and, and Kirk. That's one thing that I was thinking as I watched through this, and and, and the end especially. 
just the uh, the idea that it might have been kind of fun to see Alexander have a little scene maybe in another episode at the either at the very end of this one or the beginning of maybe the next one where Alexander goes off and it is is treated like uh, you know a, a regular person not not uh, not uh, you know as this lesser being of, of some kind you know maybe Kirk takes him to a star base and they you know and he and he goes to meet some admiral there and maybe who knows he maybe even joins Starfleet or does something like that and and, and just something like that would have been kind of fun but uh, all right uh, kind of getting towards the end of this episode I think the next uh, clip is when Mr. Spock sings you know back in this era in the 60s uh, William Shatner both William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy started to fancy themselves and, and put out some music and this next uh, bit here is Spock singing in this episode this song uh, called Maiden Wine is actually composed a song uh, composed by Leonard Nimoy he sings this to um, Uhura and uh, Nurse Chapel that are brought down to further entertain the Platonians so listen to uh, Leonard Nimoy Mr. Spock sing Maiden Wine Take care, young ladies, and value your wine. Be watchful of young men in their velvet prime. Deeply they'll swallow from your finest kegs. Then swiftly be gone, leaving bitter dregs. dregs with smiling words and tender touch man offers little and asks for so much he loves in the breathless excitement of night then leaves with your treasure in cold morning light So Mr. Spock sings Maiden Wine. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, I think. Uh, actually, I think Spock, because of his pointed ears, and, and uh, remember Apollo called him, you know, don't bring that one, you know. He reminds me of Pan, you know. Uh, he kind of fits this mythos, this Greek mythos, pretty well when he's dressed in his little fig leaf uh, head thing and all that and the green toga that they put on him. And it, it, it works uh, works pretty well, so... Um, the, okay, so now we're getting to, to the big part of this episode where, or near the end, but, uh, it, when, uh, Kirk, you've got Spock and Kirk and, and Uhura and Chapel down there and apartment kind of messes with them, keeps moving them back and forth and eventually pairs up Chapel and Spock makes them kiss and, uh, and, and, you know, embrace and, 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 and that, and then also Kirk and Uhura, the, the same thing now a couple of uh points i wanted to bring up about this that you know you may not you may know or may not know um the first off is that originally it was going to be spock here's an interesting thing maybe jj abrams realized this or the guys who wrote the 2009 trek movie but uh originally it was going to be uh it was going to be not kirk that kissed uhura but it was going to be uh it was going to be a spock 
uh, and in, in the in an early version of the script. Uh, but I guess William Shatner kind of put his foot down and uh, said, "If anyone's going to kiss Nichelle, it's going to be me. I mean, uh, Captain Kirk." <laughs> so uh, you know, th- it's interesting that I think that that it was going to be originally Spock and Uhura uh, that were going to kiss, and uh, this uh, I guess got. Uh, this episode, according to Nichelle Nichols, also got more mail than any other episode in the series. Got a lot of mail. And here's the interesting thing about it, you know, and a lot of it related to the episode and the kiss, of course. And none of it was really negative. Uh, the, according to what I've what I've found and read and heard over the years, too, the, this has been talked about at conventions and that. But they didn't really get any negative letters. And, of course, NBC and, and, the, and the network and all, they were very concerned about airing this. Uh, they... Um, there was even a letter that uh, Gene Roddenberry uh, talked about that uh, was from a guy, an American guy down in the South, and he said something like, I'm against the mixing of the races, but anytime a red-blooded American boy like Captain Kirk gets his arms around a gal like Lieutenant Uhura, I, he ain't going to fight it. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, Now, about the, the, the kiss itself, there's been a lot of controversy of whether they really show them kissing or not kissing. The network, of course, was concerned with, with this situation. And so they tried to film in a different ways, different angles, uh, and, and just tried to go where their lips were close, but maybe not really touching and everything. And, and everything that I've heard and read, especially from Nichelle, said that there were basically all the scenes they're actually kissing, whether however it's shot or looks, they, they are. So the they tried one where they really didn't and and it just didn't work so they didn't even you know that piece of film was tossed out uh it just didn't look right or it was very unusable according to what i've heard and read and uh so so then eventually the guys in charge said just to hell with it we're just going to go with the kiss and 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 they also were realizing in this third season that their ratings were really not going well so they said ah we're going to probably be canceled anyway so so what uh and, and so they did that and they they aired it um and I think the uh, you know I think it works well. It, it's hard to believe at this point in time that uh, this was such a big deal or a big controversy. It, it, it's 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 well known throughout history, even back in the days of of slavery in the United States. You know that that there were you know white people and black people kissing. <laughs> I mean there were that was going on. Whether it was you know maybe people didn't really. You know, maybe it was a slave that didn't want to, or maybe they did want to, who knows, whatever. But uh, it happened, and whether, you know, to show it on TV, is that really such a big deal? I guess in the 60s it certainly was with with things going on with race and, 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 and that in, in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, but the, this was really the officially, you know, for the United States at least, the first time this had ever happened. Uh, it actually uh, happened in, a, in other places, in other countries like the U.K. sooner. One thing about the UK that's interesting is that this episode, along with a few other Star Trek episodes from the on the BBC, uh, w- wasn't shown until many, many years later, decades later, not until like the 90s was this episode ever shown uh, on the BBC. They had a few other ones from the original series, The Empath, Whom Gods Destroy, and Miri. And, and the reasoning behind uh, not airing these and not this one, not airing Plato's Stepchildren specifically was in, from the UK. It wasn't about the kiss. It wasn't about the uh, interracial kiss. Actually, according to what I've found out, that there was an interracial kiss shown on, on the, in the UK on the BBC even a couple of years before this on another uh, TV series 
uh, on a on a primetime soap uh, called Emergency Ward 10 is what it was called, I guess. Uh, so that happened in the UK. So they didn't really have a problem with that. They had a problem with the violence and things that was shown and, and this what they called sadistic nature of some of these episodes. You know, like there's a point where they have a, a hot poker, a whip. Uh, no one really gets hurt or tortured. One of the episodes I'm surprised that didn't make this list uh, would would have been bread and circuses, where people were actually shown being whipped. I mean, they 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 whipped uh, you know some of the characters in bread and circuses, uh, and, and they um, that one wasn't for some reason skipped over. But empath whom gods destroy, Mirian and Plato's stepchildren. But eventually they showed them later on. Uh, so the, the you know this kiss again is 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 a, is a big moment, and uh, I think it's kind of really funny and interesting the fact that it was going to be at one point Spock and Uhura instead of uh, Kirk, and the fact that they're kind of have a relationship in the current JJ verse of Trek. So uh, so anyway, um, let me play now, which I, I I went into that whole thing, but let me play the actual clip here, and I think this is a really good way of doing it. I really like what Uhura you know gets to say here about Kirk and and how he always makes her feel safe aboard the Enterprise. So uh, here we go with uh, with that scene uh, and, and the exchange between Kirk and Uhura and how they're what they're being forced to do. I'm so frightened, Captain. I'm so very frightened. That's the way they want you to feel. Makes them think that they're alive. I know it. But I wish I could stop trembling. Try not to think of them. <laughs> Try. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of all the times on the Enterprise when I was scared to death. see you so busy at your command and I would hear your voice from all parts of the ship and my fears would fade and now they're making me tremble but I'm not afraid I am not afraid So you have them kissing, you know, Uhura and Kirk, uh, which um, it, it's 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 a good, uh, interesting moment. I, I actually enjoy the fact in this episode that it, it they brought down like uh, Chapel and Uhura and made it um, kind of made it a little bit more interesting because there's something about uh, pushing around, you know, Kirk and Spock, you know, men in a way. And this is going to sound kind of I don't know. I don't think it's going to sound anything bad, but. But then the women, you know, are brought down and made to do certain things, and that just kind of almost looks worse. And and it, you know, they're 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 not really being doing a lot of things. You know, they're just kind of sitting there. And you know, Chapel has that little uh, exchange with Mister Spock. You know how she's kind of, you know, wished for what's going to happen, but not like this, of course. And uh, it's you know now she gets her wish. She gets to be with Mister Spock. Uh, not exactly a happy Mister Spock, but. 
All right, now I'm going to play uh, one last clip for this episode. It'll be kind of wrapping things up. But what I did with this one, this one's a long clip. It's three or four minutes, I think. And it pretty much just finishes out the episode. And I thought I was almost going to cut it a couple of points, but it, I, I really wanted to show the and play the ending of this too. So it would have been like play a good chunk and then skip just a tiny bit and probably then play the end uh, with uh, more of Kirk and Alexander. So I just decided to play the uh, record the whole thing for you. So here's the ending uh, bit, the last few minutes of Plato's Step Turtle, and I'll come back after and wrap up uh, that uh, my discussion of it. I've also got some comments from Rick Moyer to play too that I'll be playing in a few moments. So so here's the end of the episode, uh, Plato's Step Children. Who did that? <laughs> I did. Impossible. Quite possible. And logical. What is it? What's going on? Platonians, listen to me. The next one of you that tries any trick will get hurt. Not only do we have your psychokinetic ability, but at twice your power level. Not twice mine. your power but I didn't want it I could have had your place right now but the sight of you and your academician sickens me despite your brains you're the most contemptible things that ever lived in this universe captain you knew that I intended to destroy both you and the Enterprise. Yet you spared me. To us, killing is murder, even for revenge. But there will be other starships. Well, there's no need for concern. Uh, they'll be safe. And of late, I have begun to think that we have become bizarre and unproductive. We are existing merely to nourish our own power. It's time for some fresh air. We shall welcome your interstellar visits. I don't believe you. That would be highly uncharacteristic. We must expect, Parman, that the moment we leave here, your fear would be gone, and you would again be as sadistic and as arrogant as your 2,500 years have made you. And just remember, we can recreate that power in a matter of hours, so don't try anything. Understood, Captain. 
And you're right. None of us can be trusted. Uncontrolled, power will turn even saints into savages. And we can all be counted upon to live down to our lowest impulses. You're very good at making speeches, Pop. Just make sure that this one sinks in. Now move aside. Alexander. Kirk Enterprise. Mr. Scott, prepare to beam us up. I have a little surprise for you. I'm bringing a visitor aboard. Okay, well, there you go. Alexander gets to get off the planet and get away from these crazy people and and then get to uh, get to go off and, and, and visit the Enterprise with uh, with his new friends, uh, with Captain Kirk and everyone. So, yeah, this episode, again, I, I really like it. This, I have to say, is probably one of my uh, more favorite episodes from season three. It was always one back, back, way back in the days where the only time and the only way I had to watch this show was in reruns. It was one of those episodes that if it was this was one being shown from season three, I made sure that I wanted to watch this one because I I just think it has a lot of a lot of really good elements in it. I I like the fact that they don't give in that they're being forced to do these things against their will, but they but they never uh, they never go under and 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 just uh, there it's it's just a good good solid episode and the fact that this idea of power corrupting this group of of genetically engineered people or uh, they're aliens from you know Sahandra is that uh, whatever the name of their planet uh, or their star was they used to be in that system anyway uh yeah and it has a great guest star Michael Dunn fantastic actor really really uh brings a lot to this episode I think I think he he is a key point here, and, and, and I, I really like what he does in this episode. So, a uh, big favorite of mine. And here are some comments from Rick Moyer about Plato's Stepchildren. And then after that, I'll come back with the last, a few last things to talk about and, and then wrap up today's podcast. Hey, Rico. This is Rick Moyer, Moyer777 on the forums all the way from Aberdeen, Washington, to say, awesome, you're doing Plato's Stepchildren. Okay, this is one of those episodes of TOS that is either people love or they hate. In my case, there are some parts that I really, really like in this episode, and there's some parts I don't. Um, the, The thing I do like about it is the plot. I think it's really cool to think of a planet of Greek gods that have powers... Uh, to be able to do all these uh, cool, special things. And uh, I like that whole idea. Um, I like the idea that uh, one of them doesn't have powers, and so, you know, they take advantage of him. And I love the idea of, of the guy getting sick. And just the whole thing was really cool. And to bring the Enterprise crew into it, thought it was a really neat episode that way. Now... What I, I, I did not like was 
some of the things they made Kirk and uh, Spock do. It was really weird and kind of corny, and especially when they when uh, they have the the little guy jump on Kirk and he makes those horse noises. It was really pathetic. I mean, that's a really sad point in Star Trek. I'm sorry, but uh, it just it wasn't believable and it was stupid, and I just didn't like it. But like I say, the rest of the episode was pretty decent, and I liked when things were flying around, and uh, just the, the whole premise of it was pretty awesome. Uh, but I just, there was some parts that I, like I say, I just didn't like them at all. So there you go. Um, yeah, I watch Plato's Stepchildren every time it's on, and of course I have the DVD too, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of a guilty pleasure. I don't know. Fun episode, but at the same time, really stupid. So there you go. That's my thoughts on it. Um, five stars, I give it. Um, give it a two and a half, only because that one part was so so bad. So there you go. That's my thoughts on it. Hope everything's going well for everybody. I've been so busy with everything, haven't been able to do a parody in a while. I'm gonna have to do that, huh? Yes, I am. All right, everybody, have a great day. And uh, Trex and Sci-Fi, you rock. See you later, Rico. Well, thanks, Rick. Thanks so much for your comments about uh, Plato's stepchildren, uh, and uh, and what you had to say. You know, your your what you like about it and what you didn't like about it. I, I give you one little thing, and I see your point completely about the uh, some of what they made them do, and and it being kind of uh, uh, corny and and funny in a way and weird or whatever. But uh, I, I will say one thing. I think. The reason I always looked at, the, you know, when they get Alexander to ride Kirk around and some of the horse stuff and, and weird things like that, I think they were trying to sort of show that they were trying to break them, you know, mentally in a way. Not not so much physically. He could have certainly physically done things to to the crew, but it was it was so highly embarrassing. It was like when he was forcing the emotions out of out of Spock. Uh, it, that that it's it's degrading and, and humiliating and, and all that so I, I don't know that it never it always does kind of make you chuckle a little bit when you when you see it on screen and when you watch it but I I can see why you know they probably sat down and went through when they were thinking about okay what can Parman and what what can he force the crew to do that that would be so bad you know you would be you know the most you know the, the something that would basically mess you up and 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 that and it's could they have done some different things instead of this little piggyback ride or horsey ride for for alexander yeah but i understand your point and and it is kind of uh somewhat uh, unintentionally maybe amusing when you watch it but anyway uh yeah so there you go plato stepchildren uh i think it's a really interesting and and cool episode and and one i've always kind of enjoyed from tos uh, along with pretty much all the episodes from tos but uh but this one i you know has obviously this big 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 uh business and and famous famousness <laughs> uh, it is famous for the 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 kirk and uhura kiss now that uh and now you got people you know i watched this tv show lost girl and you know there's girls kissing girls guys kissing guys guys kissing alien things creatures you know i mean it's like kissing anything boys kissing boys i mean tv has become it's uh people will still probably some people will still look at those things as being shocking or surprising but now, now it seems this seems kind of like uh, not not a big deal to uh, to us in the modern day, but uh, you know it's it's important to realize this happened a long, long time ago. You know, not back in 1966. So, 
or I'm sorry, it was first aired in 68. Have I said 66 a few times in this one? No, it was 68. But still, 68, pretty, pretty, pretty crazy time for, you know, the, the, the races in, in the United States, at least. So, all right, let us, uh, let me switch gears and, and talk about the, the future in the next few weeks on Treks in Sci-Fi. All right, so what we've got coming in the next few weeks for the podcast, uh, I've got this laid out pretty much through May, so or through the end of May, and I'm hoping that this schedule will stay, but it, as it always is true, it's subject to change. Hopefully this new job uh, will still um, not too much get in the way of some of this. All right, next week you're going to have a guest host. Uh, you know, that'll be my week off. Uh, you're going to have Mark back, Mark Daniels, M5 on the forum. He's going to be looking at another classic sci-fi film called Colossus, The Forbin Project, about this supercomputer. Uh, and that's a really good movie, a really cool movie. I've, I've enjoyed that one. I've seen it uh, many times over the years. So I'm looking forward to Mark's podcast next weekend. On May 5th, I'm going to do a Skype chat. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the main thing I think we're probably going to want to talk about or probably will be talking about is is our kind of, you know, thoughts and hopes for the for the Star Trek movie, for the Into Darkness film uh, coming up and, and whatever else is going on. That'll be a little bit after Iron Man 3 comes out, so we might talk a little bit about that for those of us who have seen it. Probably the chat, though, that Skype chat... I'm undecided yet right now. It's probably going to be recorded either on May 4th, on Saturday, May 4th, or on May 5th, uh, early on May 5th, perhaps. I'm not sure yet. It depends on a few factors. Uh, But keep an eye on the forum and on the Treks and Sci-Fi Facebook group if you are interested in joining the chat. I'll be posting very soon uh, a date and time for that. On the 12th of May... That'll be another week off for me in between. Uh, that is going to be a guest spot with uh, Chris and Joby. are going to talk about Star Trek games uh, and mostly talk about the new Star Trek game that's coming out that is set in the JJ-verse uh, that is coming out, I think, at the very end of this month. I think it's just at the very end of April. I think it might be not this Tuesday coming up, but the following Tuesday. So they're going to they're gonna be getting that game, playing it, and talking about that, along with some other things on that podcast. And uh, a big show here that I'm hoping this will work out. It may get delayed by a couple of days. Uh, it depends on uh, a few things. But what I want to do again, like we did uh, four years ago, uh, I want to do another uh, on May 19th for, the, for that weekend. I want to do another video review uh, podcast, a video podcast about uh, all about Star Trek Into Darkness. So the the key thing here to make this work is you guys uh, and a little bit of help from me. But the point of this being, I'm hoping and thinking a lot of you will be running out and seeing this movie pretty quickly once it premieres on the 17th in the U.S. and some places even earlier than that. So what I'd love you guys to do after you see the movie when it's fresh in your mind you know, run back home and record, you know, three, four minutes or whatever. Don't go longer than probably five. I wouldn't go longer than five minutes, um, but record uh, a video with you talking about the movie, what you liked, what you didn't like, maybe uh, anything you want to say, spoiler, make it spoiler filled. There will be no, I'm going to put a big tagline on that video show, video cast, that uh, if you haven't seen Star Trek Into Darkness, do not watch this video cast yet. 
hang on to it, wait a few weeks until you've seen it or whatever. But that's what I want to do is put a collection like we did four years ago of everyone's thoughts about the movie. I have everyone get a chance to to talk about who wants to share and talk about it uh, a little bit about the movie. The best format for those things is usually a standard like MP4 uh, video file. Uh, I can accept other things like Windows media files, WMVs. I can do movies, MOVs. I can convert things. But I think MP4s work about the best. So if you can send me those as quickly as you can. Uh, if you have a question about any of that, how to do it, what to do, how to send it to me, there's different ways to in services. You can FTP it. Uh, but uh, just shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com if you have any questions about how to do that. So, And then on the last weekend, uh, that'll be Memorial Day weekend, on that weekend, on Sunday, that week, uh, we'll have uh, uh, a guest spot with uh, Rick Moyer and Jeff and Brian. They're going to be covering another episode talking about Star Trek ships. They, there was a recent one with Rick and uh, Jeff, Jedi Jeff, that talked about the Enterprise specifically and all the different versions of that. But we're going to have Brian joining him this time, too, and they're going to talk about other Trek ships that we've seen over the years on on the series. So um, that's what's coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm pretty excited. A lot of fun things, obviously a lot of talk about the movie, and I, I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to see it. I, I'm actually uh, – this is the way my brain works and the way my mind works sometimes – it's getting so close. I'm uh, I'm actually feeling like, oh gosh, w- w- after we see it, all, all the mystery will be gone. It'll be done. We'll we'll already be wanting a, a, another movie, and we'll already be talking about what what could they do the next time, and and, and <laughs> so it, that's that's how I'm already like already thinking ahead in a, in a few weeks. It's it's all only about four weeks away, so. It's not very far off now, that's for sure. So, all right, everyone, thanks. It was great to do another regular type show this week. I hope I didn't go off too long on talking about my personal, you know, job and junk. But it's, I think it's going to be fun and it's going to shift uh, things for me quite a bit, I know. So, uh, uh, wish me luck. <laughs> all right, everyone, take care. I will talk to you guys all again in, uh, I guess, in a couple of weeks on Skype, which is going to be fun. We haven't had a Skype chat in a long time, and I'm looking forward to to catching up with everyone and talking about a lot of stuff. So uh, so take care, and uh, talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Tricks in Cyber.